to be in the book of Matthew. Uh, we kind of wrapped up First Corinthians uh, chapters one, two, and three. Uh, so tonight we're we're going to start what I feel like is is going to be a lengthy study. If God don't lead in a different direction, uh, in the book of Matthew, uh, in the beginning of the book of Matthew, and, and most of Matthew is an extremely detailed account of uh, of the life of Christ. It's considered to be the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel meaning the the truth or Matthew's account. Uh, we find an awful lot in the book of Matthew that's uh, seemingly not necessarily as detailed or even some of it is not in the other Gospels. Uh, and we're going to look at a little bit of that tonight. But we're going to begin in, uh, in Matthew chapter number 9. And I know that's, that we're not starting it at 1, but I promise we'll get back there. Uh, but for the next uh, several weeks, months, however long the study takes, we are, we are going to try to study through the book of Matthew we're going to begin the book of Matthew chapter number 9. In order to look at uh, any particular writing, uh, most uh, educated people will tell you the, the first thing that you want to do is, is see who you're writing uh, or who's doing the writing, who they're writing to, where the writing is coming from. Uh, so tonight uh, I want to look at Mr. Matthew, uh, Apostle Matthew. In, in another book he's referenced as uh, Levi, and these two are considered to be the same person. So in the book of Matthew chapter number 9, Verse number 9, Jesus calls His apostle Matthew. It says that Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now Matthew did something, and some of the other Gospels did as well, which shows an awful lot of intelligence. He writes this from the third person point of view. It said, Jesus saw a man named Matthew. He didn't say Jesus saw me. He said he saw a man named Matthew. Now, a few things that I want to look at before we get back to Matthew chapter 1 is, uh, is exactly who Matthew is. In verse 9, it says that he saw Jesus, uh, he saw Matthew sitting at a receipt of the custom. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a publican. And before we get into exactly who he was, I want to flip over and, and read Luke's account of Jesus calling Matthew in Luke uh, chapter number 5. The book of Luke, chapter number 5. It's almost the same exact account. Luke includes a few extra words that I believe are very, very, very important. And before we read this, I want to emphasize that tax collectors were not people that everyone loved. They weren't. Uh, where, where Jerusalem was at the time and, and basically everywhere around there, uh, they, they were collecting taxes to send back uh, to the ruler at the time. They, it wasn't uh, their people. They were being taxed by the Romans. They were being... Uh, and we'll get to that whenever we get to the birth of Jesus. But they, they, people weren't excited about paying taxes like we are today. We get excited when tax season rolls around. They weren't excited about it either. So whenever we see a man that, that is a tax collector, that is a publican, uh, the TV show The Chosen, uh, which I have found to be extremely biblically accurate, a lot of times whenever there's details that the Bible don't necessarily cover, they try to match them as close to... Uh, historically, uh, accurate, uh, historical accuracy as they can. So whenever they depict Matthew, uh, they depict him hiding from his home to the booth. They show him getting under a sheet and having someone drive him in because he is a publican, because he is a tax collector, because he is someone that people just don't like. He's not a person that, that everyone is going to flock to. He's, he's not even a person they're going to give the time of day to. But in Luke in chapter 5, verse 27... Uh, I see something in Matthew that, that we don't really see very often, and I think that, that Luke included it on purpose. He said, And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi 
sitting at the receipt of the custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. In verse 28, he said, He left all, rose up, and followed him. This man had a livelihood. This man was educated. This man was, he had a job that was relatively, if you can call it prestigious. He was important. And he got up and left it all and followed him. I believe that as we begin to read the book of Matthew, that that detail is very important. So whenever we start looking at Matthew, and then we're going to get back to Matthew chapter 1. Whenever we start looking at him, let's understand that he is a devoted man from the get-go. And while Matthew may have had his, his trips and stumbles here and there like everybody does, he got up and left it all. And Jesus just showed up and said, hey, follow me. Now you have to understand that if he's sitting at the receipt of the custom, most likely he is, is he's collecting money so he's bound to have a guard. He may even be behind a table or, or in a booth or, or in a cage or, or however you want to imagine it. But it has to be somewhere protected. And it said he got up and left it all. Jesus said, follow me. And he went. Matthew is also the only apostle, uh, the only apostle, the only gospel writer to account for the first sermon that Jesus ever did. He's the only gospel to, to, to have the Sermon on the Mount. And I don't know why. We'll get to heaven, we'll ask Jesus. Uh, the, the book, The Chosen, or the, the TV show, The Chosen, depicts that as Jesus rehearsed it to Matthew. I don't think Jesus needed to rehearse, but Matthew got it. He wrote it down. Whether he was sitting on the front row or whether he was sitting under Jesus as he spoke it, Matthew wrote a very, very, very detailed account. If you ever tried to write something down as people were talking, if you try to keep up with me, I don't care how fast you write, I don't think you can do it. Even shorthand, even typing, I'm not entirely sure that you can keep up with how fast some of us talk. And Jesus didn't have a southern draw. He didn't talk slow. So Matthew, we have to believe that his account is either from memory, which makes sense because he was an extremely educated man. To be a tax collector, he had to be good at math. This is not something that everyone went to school for. He had to be able to count, which is something that most people in that time period could not do. He had to be able to read. He had to be able to write. He had to be an educated man. Something else that he had to be is he had to be trusted by Christ. Now we understand that Jesus called 12 disciples, right? I don't have 12 fingers. Jesus had, he called 12 disciples. How many of them turned out to be good people that Jesus could trust? 11. Did Jesus make a mistake? I asked my kids that at school and they lost it. They lost it. Did Jesus make a mistake? Judas stole from them, right? You read through the Gospels and we find several accounts where Judas stole from them. He, he, he was the keeper of the money. And he stole. Matthew was trusted by Christ because Jesus said, follow me. Now Jesus called Fisher, right? He called Peter and, and, and his brother and, and all of them and, and they, were, they were fishermen. It's simple enough to understand that whenever Jesus walks down and says, Hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come, follow me. They were fishermen. They were the bottom of the barrel whenever we're talking about people. But whenever Jesus called Matthew, Matthew was somebody. He was somebody. And Jesus said, Follow me. We have no other. We have two accounts of him calling Matthew, and that's all the words that Jesus said. He was trusted by Christ. As we begin to study through Matthew, we, under, we can see, we can find that he was very, very detailed. Over and over again, we find details in the book of Matthew that aren't in other places. 
two in particular gospels that are extremely detailed. One is Matthew, the other was written by a doctor. Does anybody know what that was? Luke. Two accounts that were extremely detailed. Now we understand that Luke being a doctor had to be educated. So we assume by the same level of detail that Matthew was also a very educated man. And one thing that we need to know before we get started is that all four books of the gospel portray Christ as somebody different. Okay? I know you've all heard it before. This is not new information for most of you. Matthew portrays Jesus as who? Verse number one. Son of David. Son of Abraham. Son of David gives him heir to David's throne. Matthew portrays Christ as the king. Uh, Mark portrays him. I don't remember. One of them is servant. I think that one's Mark. Maybe John. No, John is God. Uh, Mark is servant. Luke is son of man. John is son of God. All four portray him, Jesus, as a different person as far as what they call him. Uh, We find through the book of Matthew ten times that Matthew calls him son of David. He is pressing the fact that he is heir to the throne, that he is a king, that he is the Messiah. But several times we also find him, as in verse 1, referred to as the son of Abraham. Now, I, I believe that Matthew makes this these two connections for two particular reasons. One is all of the Israelites were connected by who? One person. Abraham. Abraham. They were all connected. And you, and you, you could hear them. That we're the children of Abraham. It's something they puffed their chest out about. It's something that, that whenever we say, I'm from Pine. Right? I'm from Pine High School. I was a raider. Some of you gray hair, you were a rebel. But it's something to be proud of. Right? That's the way they were. And Jesus being part of that lineage, and we're not going to get into genealogy tonight, but being part of that lineage connected him to the people. So whenever Matthew, and he's not writing this for me and you, he's pinning it down by inspiration of God, but he's writing it toward his audiences, the people in his time period. Matthew can't see 2,000 years down the road and see me and you reading. He is looking at the people around him. He's looking at the people in his surroundings. And this is inspired by God, absolutely. But Matthew being the author... Being inspired by God is still writing to the people around him. So the first thing that he does in the book, uh, chapter number 1, verse 1, he says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, he declares Christ the king. He declares him the Messiah, first thing. The second thing is he declares him one of us. One of us, or one of y'all. Matthew is kind of despised. But he declares him one of y'all. You should relate to this man. This man is the Christ. Genesis chapter number 12. I don't want to mess it up, so I'm going to read it. If you don't want to turn, I'll read it to you. Genesis chapter number 12, verse number 1. The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of that country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless him that bless thee, and curse thee that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This prophecy comes true. In the book of Matthew, because Jesus is the son of Abraham. Jesus comes and and the genealogy backs him all the way up in verse number 2. Begins with Abraham. You go on down and you find David. And we're going to get into several other genealogies where it connects both Joseph and uh, Mary to Jesus. But but he declares immediately that he is part of this promise. Uh, Now, Abraham is what separated Israel from everybody else. The red and white is what separates us from everybody else. Right? 
We're packed. That's how you know. Whenever you go to a football game, if you're wearing purple and gold, people assume that you're either a demon or a tiger. That's it. If you're wearing yellow and black, you're a yellow jacket. If you're wearing blue and white, you're a wildcat. Israel was separated by the promise of Abraham. They were separated by I am the son, I am the daughter, we are the children of Abraham. And a lot of times in the Bible, especially in the Gospels, you'll see the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you'll see the the chief priests, you'll see them say we are the children of Abraham. We are the, I am the son of Abraham. And they're declaring themselves to be part of this promise, part of this blessed group. And, And whenever God is making this promise, I believe that he's talking about Jesus. I believe that he made Abraham a great nation, and he did, and, and there's still a great nation. You look at the vast majority of the, uh, uh, the medical accomplishments over the last 10 years. We did a study on a couple of uh, years, well, it's been several years ago. Whenever I was in college, uh, the man asked us to go and uh, to look at who has discovered what in the last 10 years. Now, this was like 2016, so uh, the information is old. But in the last 10 years, most of the discoveries, my, my topic that I was assigned was... Uh, most medical uh, innovations that have occurred. And most were, were giving credit to the Jews. Most of the people that were outstanding in their field were Jewish people. And so down through time, the world has still been blessed by the Jews. But whenever God made this problem, promise to Abraham, he said all the earth will be blessed. Everybody. Everybody. And the only way to bless everybody is Jesus Christ. So this promise is Jesus. So the first thing that Matthew does is he relates Jesus. He relates this man. He relates the gospel to Abraham, which everybody knows. Everybody understands. Everybody knows the promise. Everybody knows who he was. Everybody knows that he separates him from everybody else. And he, he separates him by saying he is the king. He is the son of David. And I believe that in order to understand the book of Matthew, we have to understand what he sees in Christ. Whenever Jesus said, follow me, I believe that Matthew knew who he was at that point. I believe that at that point, he knew there's something different about this man. Do you think anybody ever walked up to him and said that? Has anybody ever walked up to you and said that? I tried it one time. Mr. Uh, oh, Maggie Morgan's daddy, was his name Philip? Philip Morgan? What was his name? No, that was the other guy. <coughs> our, our Sunday school teacher, uh, whenever I was in college, he was a Mr. Morgan. He was a missionary to Turkey for years. Awesome Bible teacher. Well, outstanding Bible teacher. And whenever he, uh, whenever he started talking about who are these people and, and what are these people, he, he made sure to touch on their audience and, and who they're talking to and where they're coming from and where they're going to. And whenever we got around to Matthew, he said, has anybody ever walked up to you and said, follow me? We all said, no. He said, try it. See how many follow you. <laughs> me being the extrovert that I am, guess what I did the following week walking around Louisiana Tech campus? I walked up behind somebody. They had no idea who I am, where I'm coming from. I tapped on the shoulder. They turned around and said, hey, follow me. And I turned around. I get about 15 steps and I turn around and see if they follow me. You know how many people follow me? Have one person followed me. One person. We're still friends today. We're friends on Facebook. I hadn't seen him in six years. But his name was Stetson Hickman. We ended up going to the gym, playing basketball all night. We talked, and he said, why would you do it? I said, well, my Sunday school teacher said to try it. See how many people followed him. He said, why? He said, because Matthew did. 
And we sat there and we talked about Jesus. Turns out he went to the, the Calvary, the first church that, that you went to up there. That's where he went to church. And, and we sat there and we talked about Matthew after the basketball game was over. It ended up being a real good dude, but he's the only one that followed him. Nobody else would. So whenever Jesus walked up and said, hey, follow me, Matthew said there's something about him. Later, he said, this is the king. This is him. Matthew was an outcast by everybody else. Nobody liked him. Nobody appreciated him. Nobody saw how intelligent he was. Nobody saw how smart he was. And Jesus said, follow me. I believe that in that follow me, Matthew saw an opportunity that he could be used. An opportunity that he was appreciated. An opportunity that this man does not look down on me. Immediately following this, see if I can find it. Was that chapter 9 of Matthew? Yeah, chapter 9. Immediately following this, Jesus sat down at meat in the house. And it came to pass, verse number 10, uh, chapter number 9 of Matthew. And it came to pass, Jesus sat at meat in the house, and behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. How out of place do you think Matthew must have felt? Do you think it changed his view of Jesus? I don't know if he wrote this account as he was traveling with Jesus or if it's a reflection on his time with him. But I have to believe that whenever Jesus came in and all these regular people came in with Him, that Matthew saw something special. He saw something in Christ that he had never seen before. Now we read whenever the the disciples or, or apostles are brought before the court and they're all upset because they're making an uproar over everything. And one man stands up and says, Hey, remember when so and so came before and he was preaching this and that and the other. Nothing ever, nothing, nothing ever come up. He said, if they be of God, there's nothing that you can do about it. And he said, if they're not, they'll fizzle out. Right? I believe that Matthew saw something that was of God. I believe that in that follow me, Matthew saw a reason to leave everything. To leave a position. To leave a place of semi-authority. To leave a place of, of protection. Being a tax collector, being a publican, being someone that the Romans needed, he had to have been protected at some point. And he left all of that to follow Jesus. You have to, you have to assume. He said he left all. I can't imagine. I can't do it. Whenever Emily called me and said that the church was on fire, I left my kids in my classroom, but I don't think it's quite the same thing. Matthew left everything. You have to assume that he left his, his whatever family he may have had. He left his job. He left his things. It don't say that he went home to pack up. It don't say that he prepared his things. It don't say that he put his affairs in order. It said that he left all and he followed Christ. So as we study through the book of Matthew, let's understand that we are dealing with a dedicated and absolute devoted apostle of Christ. That we are dealing with someone that everyone else didn't like. But Jesus said, follow me. He left it all and followed him. We're dealing with an educated man. We're dealing with a man who had written before, who, who knew how to write, who knew how to talk, and he is addressing the Jews. Because he keeps referencing Jesus ten times through the Gospel of Matthew as the son of David. He connects everybody to Jesus by saying that he is the son of Abraham. And then he elevates Jesus by saying that he is the son of David. Lord willing, next week we're going to get into the genealogy. 
of Jesus. We're going to try to look at the genealogy of Matthew and the genealogies of Luke. And uh, it's, it's, it's a fairly interesting study if you've never looked at it. Uh, God had a, a plan the whole time. It, it wasn't by accident. And he includes all sorts of people in these genealogies. It wasn't an accident that this person begot this person begot this person. It was a plan. And whenever you start looking at that map, it's, it's, it's really neat. Lord willing, we're going to try to look 